0: We are coming now to the end of the Apostles' Creed. I'm a little bit sad to leave it. I don't know how you feel, but it's been a great 12 weeks spending time in the Apostles' Creed. Next week, I'm going to preach on Third Day Living, the power of the resurrection. That's Easter Sunday, of course. And then we're gonna launch into an investigation of the New Testament concerning the resurrection and how it changes my life today. And there are lots of references to the resurrection. Things like, I want to know the power of the resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, coupled together by the Apostle Paul in one of the mighty prayers recorded. What does that mean? The power of the resurrection, the fellowship of Christ's suffering. We're going to look at these things in the weeks to come, April and May, as we look at third day Living living not in the first day, which is the day he was crucified, nor the second day, in the day he was buried in tomb, but in the third day when he rose again from the dead. Let's say the Apostles' Creed together, all right? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I got that amen in there. All right. I've been forgetting that. It's important. Now, talking about the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting draws you to the Gospel of John. For here we have recorded Jesus' teachings that are most specific to this particular confession. And you will find in John three sixteen a familiar text that mentions this. Now, everlasting life is the translation used most frequently in the King James Version. And four times, it's in the order that it is in the Creed, the life everlasting. And often, it's everlasting life, as it is in John 3.16. But in the newer versions, they're changed to eternal life, and you won't find as much the word everlasting. John 3.16 says, if you... Why don't we read this together, okay? For God so loved the world, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. All right. So I'm talking today about life everlasting, and I know what you're thinking. He doesn't look a day over 62, which is true. Yesterday was my 62nd birthday, and I look about like I am, okay? And lots of you have said, happy birthday. And I had a great birthday, by the way. It was wonderful. And one of the six-year-olds asked me today, how old are you? Right before church. And I said, I'm 62. And she said, wow, that's a lot. And in her mind, she may think being 62 qualifies me to speak on everlasting life. Yes. 62 sounds like it goes on forever, but I'm not near as old as the oaks in Audubon Park, right? Those living things are 300 years old, some of them. There was a tree cut down in the redwood forest in the slab donated to Baylor University. The slab is there in the science building. When I was a student, I used to stop and just kind of look at it. It must have been nearly 25 feet in diameter. And on it, they had placed the various events in world history that corresponded to the size of that great tree. Things like the writing of the Declaration of Independence, maybe 10 feet from the center of that tree. Or the discovery by Columbus of the New World, maybe eight feet from the center of that tree. Or the Incan Empire reaches its height, maybe five feet from the center of that tree. Or things like the Roman emperor is now Constantine, maybe three feet from the center of that tree. And there, not too far from the center, they had the birth of Jesus. The tree, in fact, had lived, they speculated, counting out the rings, almost 2,000 years. I stepped off one of those trees that had fallen in the forest, a redwood tree lying down. It was 387 paces from the roots to the place where the top had broken off. Had we taken that tree and put it outside either one of these windows, the trunk itself would have blanked out three of the windows, and the top of that tree would be 200 feet above our cross on our steeple. It's hard to imagine, isn't it? the massive size of a redwood tree that lives 2,000 years, and yet in eternity, it's just the blink of an eye. Speaking of eyes, your eye can detect a star 3,000 light years from the earth. When the light hits your retina, It's been traveling for 3,000 years, 187,000 miles per second. If you look in the right place, you're on the right spot on our globe, you can see a galaxy with the naked eye that is 1.5 million light years from our planet. That means the light left that galaxy 1.5 million years ago before it touched your eye. Staggers the mind, and yet a million and a half years is just a moment in the expanse of eternity. They say the Hubble telescope has picked up a supernova, the explosive collapse of a large star. And that explosion with a great burst of light took place 10 billion years ago, they say. They speculate. And yet, even 10 billion years is a tiny speck in eternity. For eternity is time with both ends knocked out. So, when we talk about everlasting life, we are talking about life that goes on and on beyond any concept we may have. No calendar we can produce, no calculation known to man can stretch across eternity. Life eternal is the opposite of perishing. That's what John 3.16 says. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life I don't want anybody in this room to perish like John 3:16 says maybe you're thinking will perish that's what happened to the folks in that German airliner that went down in the Alps they perished and yes it's true that we use the word that way there are 42 people who have perished by murder in the streets of New Orleans so far this year very sad truth they perish. The word means to be lost or ruined or destroyed. It brings to mind Jesus' quote from John chapter 10, 10, where he says, "The thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy." And that's the word, perish. The word is bigger, though, than physical death, because in John 3:16 it stands in contrast to eternal life. So, perishing is the loss of the greatest value that any human being could embrace, the greatest value to which you can aspire, actually living with God forever in eternity. Either that, believing in Jesus, you have eternal life, or failing to do so, you perish. John says, he that believes is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already, and he used this legal term that comes out of the court to describe the condition of a person who rejects Jesus as Savior. So perishing is more than just dying, what happened in the airliner or in the streets of New Orleans. It's about losing eternal life. It's about eternal life. Death, the Bible says in one place. Jesus talked about hell, a place where people go when they die who have rejected God's grace and mercy. I would love to impress on you today that believing in Jesus is the most important thing that you can do as a human on this earth. There is no other question that is greater than this one for your body, soul, and spirit What will you do with Jesus, who is called the Christ? It is the question of the ages, and it is the important question that you must give an answer to. And one day, every man will give an answer concerning what you have done with Jesus. Everlasting life stands in contrast to perishing. And every human being confronted with the news of God's good grace in Jesus of Nazareth now has the opportunity to trust in Him by faith receiving Him as Savior and gaining everlasting life. Shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Someone asked me about my father. He was sick when they left New Orleans and they wondered what had happened to him and I told them that he died three years and three months ago. I lost my dad. Somebody posted a picture on Facebook of one of the grandkids rolling a ball on his tombstone in Gatesville there in the cemetery. You know what dad's tombstone says? Jesus saves. That's what it says. You walk up to my father's grave, and it says, Jesus saves. And to his dying breath, he talked about believing in Jesus. He encouraged his grandchildren to believe in Jesus. He wanted us to be there with him and to receive Christ as Savior so that the circle would not be broken in heaven. John three sixteen is as plain as day. God loved you and the rest of the world so much that he made a gift. He gave his one and only son, the most precious gift he could possibly have given. So that, in order that, for you, if you will believe in him, you will not perish. You will not go to hell You will not lose life, but you will have everlasting life. You say, well, I'm not sure I believe in hell. Well, I can tell you for sure, Jesus believed in hell, and he talked about it a lot. He compared it to the city dump that burned in Jerusalem, where they dumped the dead animals and all the refuse and rubbish of that great city. They poured it into a crevice in the mountain there, and they say once lit, it just burned continually he said you don't want to go there you don't want to end up separated from the life of god forever god has made a way for you believe in jesus whom he has sent i hope that you will i urge you to do it even today now this life everlasting which we confess we believe in is not just a quantity of life, that is life that never ends, that is long and goes on forever and ever, but it is also a quality of life. It's a kind of life. You have a kind of life. Maybe you're happy with your life. Maybe you're troubled by your life. Maybe you're in despair about your life. I don't know what's going on concerning your life, but there is a life that has a different kind of quality than the one normally human beings experience. And it is everlasting life, and it has this particular quality. Jesus points to it in the verse I just quoted from John 10, 10. The thief only comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. I am come that they might have what? Life. Life, And might have it how? More abundantly. (laughs) That you might have abundant life. There was an expert in the law who came to Jesus troubled with the question, about eternal life. He said, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, you've got Moses and the prophets. What do they say? And he gave Jesus the great commandment. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, you have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. Simply live. The word live. Not eternal life, not with a modifier, just live. Again and again, Jesus says, He who hath the Son hath life. It's a kind of life. It's a quality of life. What does this life look like, you say? This, this abundant life, this overflowing life, this life that springs up in you inside like an artesian well. What does it look like? Well, the gospel writers try to describe it in various ways, as do the writers of the epistles, Paul says it is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self control. These nine qualities, they are the fruit of the Spirit and they abide in the life of the one who is controlled by the Spirit. This is abundant life. I know everybody in the room wants love, joy, and peace. Those are things we all want. They are available in this quality of life that we call eternal, it is everlasting. And it is available today in the here and now. Jesus came that we might have not only unending life, not only forever life, but a life that is different in the here and now, a life full of his love, his joy, and his peace. say, how in the world do you get that kind of life? It's only one place. You get it from God. That's where this life comes from. It comes from God and God alone. And the person who enjoys this life is the one who has the Holy Spirit living within him. This life comes from the residence of the Spirit in the life of the believer. You say, Well, I'm a believer and I'm not enjoying all that. Well, you need to unpack it. All right? Some folks get wonderful gifts from God that they never unpack. They just leave them in the box i got a present today a birthday present it was nice of the couple to bring me this present i could have left it in the box couldn't i i could have taken it home and never got it out but actually i opened it right away see what it was and i'm going to be using it you can't use it if you don't unpack it All these riches that we gain in Christ Jesus, we leave them in boxes and never unpack them. You, in fact, God, when you received Christ as Savior and the Holy Spirit took up residence in you, you got some wonderful gifts from God you need to be enjoying. Some of you have assumed, like the world has told you, that maximum life is you grabbing everything you can get and pulling it into your sphere, That's what it is. As much as you can control, as much stuff as you can get, that's what life is all about. And you have bought the big lie. Because that's not life. In fact, that's what stifles life and suffocates life. You are like the little hamster clouds who found a blanket in his cage and overnight, he pulled it in to his little house. I went down the next morning, I couldn't hear the little hamster going around on his wheel. What happened to clouds? I look in there, I couldn't see him. No, he had worked all night putting this little blanket in his little house. And when he finally got it all in there, he couldn't get out. He trapped himself with his blanket. I don't know what would have happened to him if I hadn't delivered him from his dilemma. People think that's what life is, getting a blanket into your house, all the stuff, everything, get it here. Jesus said, you want to really live? Do this and you will live. What's that? That's loving God with all your heart, loving your neighbor like yourself. It's not about you pulling everything into the orbit of your life. It's about you doing what Jesus did, laying his life down for the other. It's about you surrendering, turning loose, giving up, letting go. It's about you receiving the life of God so in you that you now live this life poured out on behalf of God and others. You all stuffing that, the trappings of life into your own heart, that's you stopping it up that's you suffocating yourself that's you putting a flame out but God wants to turn you into a flowing river into a channel into a blessing for everybody around you and when you open up and you pour out your life and you love people God pours his life through you and you will never know abundance until you know what it is to let the life of God pour through you to others. Every time you help somebody, every time you reach out to them, you say to yourself, Lord, I love you and I love this person and I'm doing this out of love for God and for my neighbor and it will open up the channel of blessing for you. It may sound counterintuitive that eternal life, this quality of life, just can't be this way. Because sometimes helping out somebody actually ends up making you suffer. And part of the lie we've bought is that the top shelf of life is you never hurt. And some of us have built all kind of walls around us so that we don't get hurt. Because we've been hurt in the past, and we say, I'll never get hurt again. And we've walled ourselves off from life. The truth of the matter is, loving your neighbor is often inviting suffering into your own life. It was for Jesus, wasn't it? Loving us, he gave himself. He died upon the cross. It's not as if he did this and then said, okay, now everything's rosy for you. What he said was, this is love. Laying down your life. Now I want you to do it. We discover in the laying down of our life what God's life is really all about. If God is essentially love, then he is poured out toward the ones that he loves. And if God's life is in us, we are the same way. I hope that you will open the channel of your life, that you will open your heart, your hand, your mind, your soul and spirit to the love of God and love of neighbor that allows you to be a channel in the current of God's love. That is maximum life. Now there's another thing about everlasting life that is evident in the teachings of Jesus. This is the will of him that sent me that everyone which seeth the Son and believes on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Life everlasting is about resurrection. Jesus ties them together here. He says, I will raise him up. Now, Jesus says this over and over again as he talks about himself and eternal life and trusting in him. He says, I will raise him up. That's resurrection. God raised Jesus from the dead. He was the firstfruits. We are raised after him. I will raise him up on the last day. You say, well, what's the last day? It's used fairly often in Scripture, this talk about the last day. I think it's best to think about the last day as the wrapping-up hour. It's the day when God completes human history bringing it to its proper conclusion in His Son, Jesus Christ, who is heir of all things, who has everything in His hands, who is not only one who redeems the individual, but redeems this world, who brings it back into the course of God's intention and purpose. So all things are fulfilled in Christ, and that's what the last day is all about. He says, I will raise him up on the last day. Somebody may say, well, does that mean that I sleep in the grave until the resurrection happens? Am I going to do soul sleep? I don't think so. I don't think so because once you die, you're not in this time zone anymore. All right? You're not in this time zone anymore. Now, you can't imagine that, can you? Here you've got a calendar, you've got a clock, you've got a watch, you've got a phone that tells you what day and time it is. None of those things, none of those timekeeping devices will be needed in heaven. You won't need them. The God who created the heavens and the earth and everything in it stands outside of time. He has to. He made all the mechanisms by which we measure time. And as difficult as it is for us to comprehend, God stands outside of time as we know it. And when you die, you go to be with Him. On the other side, there's no time. This time zone doesn't matter anymore. There is an eternal present with God. And when you are with Him, you're going to experience time differently. This is an important truth to remember. My father told me once, he said, I think, really, that because God stands outside of time, we all die at the same time from God's point of view. I can't imagine it. I don't know how to envision it, without timepieces and calendars and watches but it makes sense to me that if god is outside of time then so i will be when i reach the other side jesus will come to get me when i die he said i am going to come for you that's what he said if i go and prepare a place for you i will come again and receive you unto myself. So when I come to the point of death, look, I'm 62, all right? I'm going to talk about death for a minute, right? When I come to the point of death, I'm going to experience the wonderful miracle of Jesus my Lord coming to get me, all right? That's how I envision that moment of transition from this life to eternity. That's how I understand it. And I'm going to leave all the clocks behind. And I will be in the presence of my Lord. And so that's the last day. That's the moment of transition. This is what God made you for as much as it boggles your mind. You were made not for time but for eternity. God planted you in time that He might rescue you through His work upon the cross, and so that for the eons and ages to come in the timeless future, you will be a testimony to the wonderful grace of God made known in Christ Jesus. I can't conceive it. I can't put my mind around it, but I know that this is true. Life everlasting is about resurrection. And life everlasting is all about Jesus. The scripture says, it is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. The most important thing that you personally can do is prepare for that moment of death by trusting in Jesus as Savior and so passing, right now, present tense, from death into life bow with me please thank you heavenly father for sending your son jesus thank you for his work upon the cross thank you that we can know eternal life through him help us to live in the present day unpacking all the riches of your glory that we received in christ we pray in jesus name amen